AMC may be bailed out at this point as some of the investors start to weigh in, including one Massachusetts senator, Elizabeth Warren. Long may she be the chief, so we will talk just a bit about that. Cori Bush and Marjorie Taylor Greene get into it, and each one tries to plane, uh, point the finger rather at the other for the blame as to who instigated it. So we'll talk just a bit about that. A group in Colorado is looking to secede from Colorado and join Wyoming in their own effort to secede. So we'll talk a bit about that. And over on the other side of the world, a little bit of a military dust-up happens just outside of China, which may be the thing that triggers China's war into the world. We don't know. You thought this news cycle was going to be boring. Hey, 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 do you trust the plan yet? I'm Jay Edgar. And this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We have got a bunch of stuff to get to today here. It's a weekend news dump as usual. We have no Trovo this morning. I just got started and realized that it had an error connecting, so I've got to disconnect it, reconnect it, and see what we've got to do to get started here. So, unfortunately, there is no Trovo. But it's growing pains. We're working with a new technology and possibly a newer company, and a company that's not used to having as many users on it. After DLive kicked everybody, but you can always come in and hang out on the, on the DLive side and just not throw lemons around, but <clears throat> there's that. Before we get started, though, go ahead, go over and bookmark freedomscoop.com. Now, I say bookmark because we can't head over there and check it out yet because, pardon our dust, we are still working on it, still coming soon here, but go and check that out, get that bookmarked. Get ready because you can go over to freedomscoop.com once we are back up and running and check out great creators such as The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, The Freckles and Brit Show, The R-Rated Conservative, and The Breakdown with Birkenhoff. Come on over there, check out some of our swag, help us support great creators, and help us rise up so we can start adding a written article, so we can start getting people published, so we can start getting people paid, and so we can achieve my lifelong dream of shutting down the Daily Wire. All right. As prop, uh, put up by popular request, the subscribe star, once it loads waiting for the cash, is ready. You can head on over and check out subscribestar.com slash Ed's blog Twitter. I figure since I got a donation over on PayPal that specifically asked me to start up a Subscribestar, and I actually already had it started up. I just was waiting for approval and I needed to connect a few social media accounts to it. I went through and I finished that last night. So it's there. I emailed them. They approved it. We are ready to go. There are three tiers to the Subscribestar. We've got the Globe tier, which gets you a nice newsletter every week. We have got the rail tier, rail drink tier, which gets you access to a group chat every month. Go ahead and put out your general availability if you join that tier, and we'll get you in there, get you ready to go. Or we have got the top shelf tier, which allows you to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me for 30 minutes every month. So get no, over there. And, I mean, you don't have to have the conversation. You don't have to have the group chat if you just want to come in and throw a couple bucks. But the offer is going to be out there every month. So go ahead and toss a couple bucks in the pot and help out. We've got a goal. I've got a clear goal on there. So go over there and check that out. The goal is $600 right away to get a new desktop. So thank you for the donation to Chilaga. He gave me the donation that uh, 
gave me the idea to come and do this. So we've got it up, we've got it running, and now it's ready to go. So thank you for that. All right, let's get into the stock, starting with the Dow, which had an abysmal day, which it's had an abysmal Biden presidency so far. It has dropped now below 30,000 as per end of trading on Friday. Now, it looks like the futures are going to bring it back up at this point, but yes, I, lo I looked over and I said, I just knew it was going to drop below 30 under Biden, and it did. I actually thought the investors were going to try and hold it up a little bit so they can say that, oh, well, it's Biden's economy. And now that Biden is here, he's he's the one that's going to make it, uh, he's going to make it pop. He's going to make it good. But no, no such luck. And here we go. 29,982. That drop, though. All right. On Bitcoin. Bitcoin is currently worth 33851 dollars and 40 cents that is in u.s dollars looks like it's holding steady right now we will see what happens with its rival dogecoin which is still fucking hilarious by the way we'll see what happens with doge we'll see what happens with some other things there's possibly some other trading that's going to be going on here in the near future and maybe there'll be another one that pops up here we don't know so we'll talk a bit about that all right from investors business daily Dow Jones futures rise. What to do before Monday's market open? Neo GME stock, silver in focus. From Ed Carson. Dow Jones futures were solidly higher Monday morning, along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ futures, all reversing from sharp losses Sunday evening as the stock market rally tries to find support. Neo stock, GME stock, and uh, sliver were in focus. I think they meant to say silver, but it definitely says sliver here. Like the Nirvana song, or when you get a little chip of wood up uh, inside your fingertip. Last week, the major indices broke through key levels, with key st uh, leading stocks also struggling. The stock market rally may be undergoing a character change. Investors need to be more cautious, perhaps reducing exposure, especially if they haven't already done so. The GameStop saga is likely far from over. GME stock, AMC stock, costs and Express were little changed in relatively calm trading Friday morning. Last week, these and other short squeeze plans had another mammoth week of ultra-volatile gains, but the risks are extremely high. Investors are better served following a consensus strategy and trading rules, not taking wild bets. You know what that means, don't you? That means please, please stop investing in these so we can short sell and make our money back. The GME stock experience has the Robinhood trading app reeling while regulators are eyeing the situation. Robinhood is still limiting trading in GameStop and a handful of other stocks. Silver is the latest shiny object for squeeze play investors, with the precious and industrial metal surging about 10%, GME stock fell slightly. China-based Tesla, EV rivals NIO and Xpeng Motors reported booming January sales, with Li Auto and BYD also due in the coming days. All four EV stocks suffered sharp, uh, sharp weekly losses. With NEO stock closing slightly below a buy point, Tesla stock also retreated last week following its earning miss. NEO, Xpeng, Li Auto, and Tesla rose Friday morning, Tesla stock getting another street-high price target. Keep an eye on Microsoft. Microsoft retreated below at least one buy point Friday, but closed the week with solid gains. It's the best-looking tech titan after fellow Dow Jones component Apple reversed lower last week on its earnings. Microsoft, Tesla, and Apple are on the IBD leaderboard. Microsoft is also on the IBD long-term leaders and the IBD 50. On the futures, 
Futures on the Dow rose 0.7% versus fair value. S&P 500 futures were up 0.9%, and NASDAQ 100 futures were up 1%. Those are well off Sunday's declines of 1% or more. Silver surged as social media pushes a silver-squeezed message. The iShares Silver Trust ETF rose 5.6% last week. Gold prices and stock also rose. So that's what we're seeing up on the futures and on the markets there. Just a couple things to look at with that. And I mean, I already mentioned the fact that the investors are trying to scare you out of GameStop stock and scare you out of going into doing another short squeeze. In spite of the fact that people are sitting at home looking for another way to stick it to the investors. I mean, when we had across the board on, uh, on Saturday, we sat back and talked about fucking Radio Shack stock. When's the last time you saw a physical Radio Shack? in this country. There are a few, but they are very, very few and far between. So we talked about that, and I, fuck, I might throw 20 bucks in there just to say I was there. I know I'm throwing 20 in a doge as soon as I can figure out how to buy doge, which it seems to be a process, but I, I know that they need to have the information because they need to tax you if you make it big on it. But I want to buy into doge, once again, just to say that I was there. Just to say that I was there. I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it big on doge. But just to say it was there, when the great doge increase happened and it hit a dollar a coin, and I bought it at a third of a cent a coin, just to say I was there. Um, in other things, though, I mean, we're talking about, and they say that Apple turned lower, Microsoft is turning lower, and I've speculated as well with the GameStop thing that it seems like these big hedge fund managers have to sell off their their solid stock, the stock that they think is going to grow all the time. And we saw, because we've been reading IBD since April, every morning since April, we've been reading IBD. Except for when they throw the ad blocker on there and then they uh, cry and whine when I don't give them their click for the day. But we've been reading this almost every morning since April. And these have been solidly going up. And these hedge funds, they do have the stocks that they know are going to go up. But then they'll short squeeze something like GameStop to try and get more money to invest more in your Microsoft, your Apple, your shit like that. So they can keep making money off those stocks as well. Huh? Now that they've hold now they hold millions of dollars in these stocks, they need to come up with billions of dollars. And what do they do? They've got to sell off these stocks. So that's what's turning these bigger stocks lower. Or at least by my speculation. It's gonna be an interesting stock market through this presidency, especially if they don't start opening the country back up soon. All right, looking over here on CNBC, Dow futures rise 250 points as markets set to rebound from worst week since October. From Yoon Lee and Pippa Stevens. Stock futures rose in early trading on Monday as Wall Street appeared to shake off concerns about speculative retail trading mania that largely drove the market's worst weekly sell-off since October. Guys, it's not over yet. Futures contracts tied to the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 260 points, implying an opening gain of more than 200 points. S&P 500 futures climbed 1% and NASDAQ 100 futures jumped 1.1%. The move came rather in a choppy session, with Dow futures dropping as much as 300 points overnight. <clears throat> Excuse me. GameStop, the brick-and-mortar video game retailer that has been the center of attention on Wall Street, fell just 2% in pre-market trading. Last week, the popular stock among retailer investors on Reddit forum WallStreetBets soared 400% amid extreme tra uh, trading volume and volatility. 
The return of volatility over the past week has been driven by market positioning rather than worries over growth. Mark Hafel, Chief Investment Officer at UBS's Global Wealth Management, said in a note, Many institutions have been adjusting their books to account for risks to short positions. From our, I'm sorry, arising from recent coordinating buying and retail investors. But given the speed and magnitude of flows in recent days, we think most of the pressure is now behind us, Hafel said. All three major averages slipped more than 3% last week for their worst weekly performance since October. The Dow and S&P also posted losses for January, the first negative month in four, although the Nasdaq did manage to post a gain for the month. Many on Wall Street were spooked by a frenzy of activity by retail investors in heavily shorted stocks, including GameStop and AMC Entertainment, which fueled concerns about the overall health of the market. Goldman Sachs noted that current short squeeze is the worst in 25 years. AMC jumped another 18% in pre-market trading after a 277% rally last week. The Reddit boom also seems to be spreading to other areas of the market. Futures contracts for silvers uh, surged 11%. The biggest one-day jump in 11 years, the Reddit chat room had multiple active threads dedicated to silver on Sunday night. The phrase, silver squeeze, was also trending on Twitter. They're going to do it. They're going to do it, and it's going to be great. I love seeing this. Because, once again, these people at the top have been squeezing the markets and trying to push a brick and mortar like GameStop out of business so they can make huge bits of money on it. Or put them out of business so they don't never have to return the stock. They make big amounts of money off of it and fuck the little guy. And if they lose money, hey, the government comes and bails them out. I love the fact that they're sitting back on the squeeze right now. I love the fact that people sitting at home, locked in their homes, with stimulus checks, have figured out how to stick it back to the man. I love it. I really do. And we'll see what happens off this. We may actually have a true free market at some point here. I doubt it. With a Biden in office, I'm pretty sure the government's going to intervene and make sure that their big business buddies stay on the top. But just watching Ben Shapiro try to gaslight everybody too, because you know he was in the hedge fund that lost money. You know that that rich little fucking frick was in the hedge fund that lost. It's great. It's great to see. I love watching it. But that's what I have on the markets for the day. Let's go back and look at what's happening with the GameStop squeeze at the very end of it. Starting with a tweet from Elizabeth Warren. Casino like stocks in the st- in swings in the stock prices of GameStop reflect wild levels of speculation that don't help GameStop's workers or customers and could lead to market instability. Today, I told the SEC to explain what exactly it's doing to prevent market manipulation. And this comes from her newsroom webpage, which I believe I have up here, but let's just have a look at this image. I'll throw my headphones on too, because I know I've got some video coming up later on. Uh, Dear Acting Chair Lee, I'm writing in regard to the surge in share prices for the video game retailer GameStop, whose stocks are up 1,700% this month, including Wednesday's climb of 135%, driven by what one expert called a flash mob with money. These wild swings in the value of GameStop and other companies are subject to similar bets by traders, are detached from the factors that traditionally help establish a company's value to investors. I'm 
excuse me, deeply concerned that these casino-like swings in the value of GameStop and other company shares are yet another example of the gamesmanship interference with a fair, orderly, and efficient function of the market. Raising obvious questions about public confidence in the market and those trading in it, I am writing to seek information on how the SEC intends to address these concerns and prevent these and future incidents of potential market manipulation. Basically, rules for thee, but not for me. We get to gamble and try to manipulate the markets to do what we want them to do and hopefully make us and all our little buddies fucking rich. You're not allowed to do it, and we will use the full force of the government to do so. Yeah, I'm not going to read all that. But yeah, that's pretty much what that boils down to here. I've got one here from Warren's Senate page. New this morning, Warren calls on the SEC to address the stock market gamesmanship amid volatile GameStop trades. United States Senator Elizabeth Warren, a member of the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs, today sent a letter to Acting Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Allison Heron Lee, requesting that the agency provide Congress and the public information on how they will address the dramatic swings in market valuation of GameStop and other companies and respond to her questions about how the SEC will crack down on years of distortion in securities markets that have allowed the wealthy few to artificially inflate and deflate share prices and reap short-term profits while exacerbating the wealth inequality. These wild fluctuations are just the latest indication that many private equity firms, hedge funds, and other investors, big and small, are treating the stock market like a casino, giving a little consideration to the companies, communities, workers, and consumers that may be affected by these risky bets. Senator Warren wrote in her letter to the SEC, See, Mrs. Warren, the problem here is you don't have to do this because Redditors with weaponized autism and a stimulus check just fucking did it for you. You don't have to do this anymore. But, you know, once again, get the government involved and, you know, who comes out on top when the government gets involved? Donors! People like hedge fund managers. People who are going to put a large amount of money. You, If you think this is going to do something for the little guy, you're out of your fucking mind. Absolutely not. No, this is... This is nothing but another attempt to make sure that people like you and me don't make huge amounts of money off this because then they have upward mobility. And what happens when people don't have upward... Or what happens when people do have upward mobility, rather? They stop voting Democrat. So, we will see what happens off of that. You know, up until this past week, I didn't know what the SEC was. When people started talking about the SEC, I legitimately, the first thing when I heard the SEC, the first thing that I did was say, what the hell does college football have to do with anything? Because in my mind, I'm thinking Southeast Conference. But no, it is the Securities Exchange Committee. All right, let's keep going. I've got one here from Polygon. Meme stock rally rescues AMC theaters from $600 million in debt. From Owen S. Good. 
This week's bizarre meme stock rally, which has delivered lottery-like windfalls for holders of GameStop stock, also wiped out $600 million in debt owed by the AMC theater chain. That's because on Wednesday, a private equity firm named Silver Lake, and private equity firms are popularly considered the bad guys in this snobs versus slobs drama, elected to convert the corporate bonds it held into AMC Entertainment Holdings stock. Although the theater chain's stock price has tumbled and soared since the move, the debt relief is permanent. In November, AMC was warning investors that there is a substantial doubt over our ability to continue as a going concern. The reason is obvious. The COVID-19 pandemic has savaged the movie theater business, and the broader stimulus payroll and recovery actions by the U.S. government have done little to prop it up. However, on Monday, AMC CEO and President Adam Aaron painted a less bleak outlook for the company after it secured $917 million of new equity and debt capital, saying in a news release, this means that any talk of an imminent bankruptcy for AMC is completely off the table. Wiping out more than a half a billion dollars in debt, though, should take a lot of pressure off AMC in the short term. A week ago, it was not crazy to think that this company was doomed. Bloomberg's Matt Levine wrote in on Thursday, Now it is entirely possible that it will survive and thrive and show movies in movie theaters for decades to come, because everyone went nuts and bought meme stocks this week. As of this weekend, AMC was... Third on the list of U.S. stocks being short-sold the most, Redditors in the R Wall Street Bets subreddit and elsewhere have piled into these shorted stocks because, essentially, institutional investors are betting the companies will fail and their share prices will go down. The collective action of Reddit's day traders, retail investors as the industry calls them, has driven some share prices up with GameStop's headline-making rally leading the charge. So, Oh, I got one more paragraph I want to touch on this. Yet, by converting their AMC debt holding to AMC stock, the Silver Lake equity firm has gotten hurt by a falling stock price, too. The conversion price for the bond Silver Lake held was $13.51. Silver Lake cashed in on Wednesday when AMC shares ended the day at $19.90. More than 400% better than the day before. Smart move, right? Well, AMC share price at publication time on Friday was about $15, but it closed Thursday at $8.63, so unless Silver Lake found some other sucker to buy the stock, therefore, or before it bottomed out, they've been riding a roller coaster that at best has them about 5% on to 7% ahead of their original position, with no guarantee of staying there. So, AMC is going to survive the commie fucking coup. You didn't think it was going to happen, but it's going to do it. That's amazing. That's, that's great to see. And it's great to see a small-time company come back up and actually get a chance to go back and go again. You know, once again, we've all been locked in our homes for almost a year at this point. It's been 10 months. We're starting on the 11th month. And you can't go to the theater in most places. In some places you still can. But in most places you can't. And now they've wiped out their debt the sky's the limit for them at this point. They can go and do whatever it is that they want to do with the money that they have left over and people are willing to still invest in them. I could actually possibly see at some point in the near future an in-home streaming service from AMC. Kind of like your Disney and whatnot. But specifically for what the new releases are. You know, like what Disney's doing with their new releases right now. With the money that's pouring into AMC. Now, I don't know what GameStop is going to do about this, but with AMC, that's something I could legitimately see coming down the pipes. 
I would do it if I was the head of AMC. I would absolutely 100% do that. Because I think people would buy it. And I would under-fucking-cut Disney on it, too. You know, hey, Disney, you want to charge $30 for your new release? Hey, we'll charge 25 for your new release. Bring it into the home. Have your own snacks. Have your own dinner with it. And there it is. We'll stream it. We'll pipe it right into your home on your broadband. That's what I would do with it. If it was me. But we'll see what happens coming back out of this. All right. From the New York Post. Defiant Redditors buy Times billboard, uh, Square billboards as GameStop stock saga rises. From John Levine. Dollar sign GME go burr. <laughs> I mean, if you're just going to print money off and just spread it around there, I'm glad it's going into industry somewhere where they can put people back to work eventually. I love it. Oh, I love it. Defiant amateur investors on Reddit say they are not backing down on their investments in GameStop and even took out billboards in Times Square and across the country, urging the faithful to continue holding the line. GME Go Burr blared a digital ad on the corner of 54th and Broadway in Manhattan. The ad ran for an hour on Friday and was a creation of digital billboard maker Matai Pasada. The line refers to a popular internet meme that uses Burr to signify the sound of a money printing machine makes. The GME is the stock ticker's symbol for the New York Stock Exchange. Investors on Reddit have driven the price of GameStop, a dusty mall electronics retailer worth only $2.57 a share at one point last year, to astronomical highs in just days from the value of just under $40 a share on January 14th because a new console just came out. The stock skyrocketed to $483 a share. Though price swings have been extremely volatile, the stock has spent much of the last five days comfortably above $300. The movement was initially organized by those on the Reddit page, Wall Street Bets. The pirate investors convulsed markets all week, pumping the GameStop's uh, price in an effort to stick it to the hedge fund. Short sellers who bet against the stock planned to profit from its failure. Instead, prices surged because of the renegade buyers, and some Wall Street institutions were brought to their knees. For the first time, it's almost as if God gave a reason to all of us to band together, to battle corruption and stand for what is clearly right. I have never experienced unity like this before, regardless of where you belong in the political spectrum. Everyone is unified in what needs to be done, posted one Reddit user, using almost biblical terms. Yes, people are very proud of the fact that they did this. There's another one. We're not leaving GME with the rocket to the moon. Which is good. Which is great. You love to see it. GME go burr. I love it. That's amazing. Alright. We have uh we've got one here from NPR. Because we've got to move off the stock market here and look into the rest of the things that they try to cram down your throat while the stock market thing was going. That includes the impeachment. Did you forget that the impeachment was coming? Because I'm sure Trump didn't. So, Trump names new defense team ahead of Senate impeachment trial. And remember, this is NPR, and they need your money. Won't you donate to NPR? Won't you give them just a little bit of your money? 
because they need it. They need it because the tax funding is not enough to keep them afloat, and NPR is funded by viewers like you. Wouldn't you love to just give money to a left-wing echo chamber that speaks very quietly so you can listen in your car, on the radio, and just feel those eyelids get heavy as you're driving along? This is from Jacqueline Diaz. Former President Donald Trump has named two new attorneys to head up his impeachment defense ahead of next week's trial in the Senate. Trump was in need of new representation following the reported departure of all five members of his defense team this weekend. Now leading the team are attorneys David Shane and Bruce Castor Jr., both experienced in criminal defense. The trial over Trump's role in the Capitol attack in early January is set for February 9th. Trump's team has until Tuesday to respond to the article of impeachment passed by the House, charging him with incitement of insurrection. In a statement, Trump's office says, Notably, Shane has already been working with the 45th president and other advisors to prepare for the upcoming trial, and both Shane and Castor agree that this impeachment is unconstitutional, a fact 45 senators voted in agreement with last week. I don't even know why they're... well... No. I know why they're having the trial. As of right now, this is dead in the water. With 55 senators in favor of it, you need to find 12 more senators to get in on this. It's not going to happen. This, well, first off, the question as to the constitutionality of this is one thing, but they're going to drag this out. They're going to drag this out and suck the air out of the room so nobody has to go and report on boring-ass fucking Beijing Biden until... God, how long do you think they can drag this out? Six months? A year? How long do you think they can go and do this? With Kamala Harris in charge, too, by the way. You know, it's not going to be Mitch McConnell just bring it down and say, Okay, we're not going to have the trial here. We're just going to bring it down to the floor. Oh, look, we voted, to a, we voted to a quit. Oh, well, it's all over now. Let's go back and do something else here. Let's get back to the campaign trail. No. No, that's not what's going to happen. They're going to sit back and drag this out. They've got nothing but time on this. And once again, the news media needs to keep the spotlight on Donald Trump. The government needs to keep the spotlight on Trump so you don't know what kind of shit they're trying to cram down on you. It's all about trying to keep the spotlight on Trump without, without simultaneously him having the power to actually do something. Because they're losing their ratings left and right. They don't have the rage click anymore. They can't look back to policy and say, Oh my God, what do we do? What do we report on now? So we're going to be watching this. For, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how long we're going to be watching this. But I've got a feeling we're going to be watching this for a good fucking long time. For nothing. And that's legitimately it. For all, all for nothing. 45 senators think that this is unconstitutional. So we'll see what happens with this and where it goes. This starts uh, next Monday. So we'll be watching this. All right. From Pam Keith over on Twitter. You heard it here first. If we do not contain Trump by impeachment or indictment in a few months, he will start to run a shadow government from Mar-a-Lago, and at least a dozen governors will start to take their orders from him. He will claim he is the legitimate president, and we will be right back on the path to a civil war that the extreme right has been pushing for. 
I don't know if you understand this or not, but governors don't take orders from the president. If anything, it's the other way around. Elaine uh, replied back on this one. So wait, he wants to break the law, so passing more laws to punish him for things you think he already intends to do will stop him. Yeah, more laws. Our squeamishness serves no one. Nothing good. We need an AG right now, and we need indictments on every GOP member who participated. This will not get contained in any other way. I don't know where Pam Keith got her law license or her law education, but that's not how any of this works. So, good on that. Let's keep going here from the Daily Wire. Democratic Senator rips Kamala Harris over an interview. I couldn't believe it. Not a way of working together from Tim Pierce. Senator Manchin, who is going to be the most famous senator by the end of these next two years, slammed Vice President Kamala Harris on Friday for pushing the Biden administration's $1.9 trillion pandemic aid proposal on a West Virginia television station. Manchin said he was not consulted prior to the interview that was aimed at his constituents. The Democratic senator, one of the few widely recognized moderate Democrats in the upper chamber, is leading efforts with a moderate Republican senator, Susan Collins of Maine, on a compromise package. I saw it. I couldn't believe it. No one called me, Manchin set up Harris's Thursday interview on West Virginia's WSAZ. We're going to try and find a bipartisan pathway forward. I think we need to. But we need to work together. That's not a way of working together. What was done? Biden has drawn criticism from the GOP for pushing a message of unity while pursuing a number of executive actions largely aimed at tearing down former President Donald Trump's legacy. Manchin's comments add fuel to the Republicans' charge that Biden administration is more concerned with appealing to his left-wing base than striking bipartisan deals with Congress. That's also not true, by the way. Biden is more concerned about... No, in all seriousness, Biden is more concerned with saving his own ass and enriching his own family. Biden is not concerned about striking bipartisan deals with Congress or unity. He just wants to get fucking richer and hopefully die in office so he doesn't have to so he doesn't have to testify over what happened in the Ukraine and in China. There's nothing about unity in his agenda. There's nothing about the left. The fucking left wing hates him. He's not, he is, if he is trying to appeal to his left wing base, he's failing at it fucking miserably. He is failing at it miserably if he's trying to appeal just to them. But, yeah. You should at least still consult your representative for the state, either the representative of the district that you're going to run the ads in, or the senator who runs on the entire state. You should be at least consulting them before you go in there and try to push a plan that Manchin doesn't even seem to be all that thrilled about. All right, let's keep going. From CNN. Cori Bush says she's moving offices to get away from Marjorie Taylor Greene after the mask altercation from Annie Grayer. Democratic Representative Cori Bush of Missouri announced Friday that she will be moving her office away from GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia following a heated exchange earlier this month where Bush confronted Greene about not wearing a mask in a hallway on Capitol Hill. 
of the fallout led Speaker Nancy Pelosi to take the extraordinary step of ordering Bush's office to be moved away from Green following a request from Bush. The latest signs of the growing tensions between the two parties in the aftermath of the deadly riot on Capitol Hill. A maskless Marjorie Taylor Greene and her staff berated me in a hallway. She targeted me and others on social media. I'm moving my office away from hers for my team's safety, Bush tweeted on Friday. Green spokesman Nick Dyer responded to Bush's accusation in a statement to CNN by saying, Representative Bush is actually the instigator and it's on tape. We'll be releasing the video shortly. Green's office tweeted a short video of the congresswoman talking into her phone and someone in the background yelling at her to put a mask on. The specific issue is a confrontation from January 13th when Bush and her staff encountered Green without a mask and talking on into her phone in the tunnel between the Cannon office building and the Capitol. According to a description Bush provided to CNN, Bush did not dispute the fact that she confronted Green. Starting the altercation, Bush repeatedly asked Green to put on a mask, to which Green and Green staff criticized Bush on an unrelated issue. Bush also cited CNN K-File reporting on Green's social media posts that appeared to support violence against politicians, as well as Taylor Green's renewed, repeated antagonization of the movement for black lives in the last month directed towards Congresswoman Bush personally as a reason for the move. That's a lot of words to say that they had a little slap bite and a dust up in the hallway and now Cory Bush wants to move her office. Now, Bush is coming out and saying, first off, that she's saying that Green confronted her and then walking it back and saying, no, no, I was the one that started this here. Let's just watch the video because this seems to be the catalyst for this. You know what? This, th a bunch of bad people do, or a small amount actually, do a really bad thing, attack the Capitol, which I denounce and completely am against and don't agree with the violence. But yet Democrats who cheered on, supported, called peaceful protests, Antifa BLM riots the entire year long that caused billions of dollars worth of damage, attacked American businesses, um, burned down Minneapolis, Let's see, what else did they do? Then they funded, then they supported uh, bail bond links, bail bond links for criminals. You know what? Yeah, don't yell at people. You know what? You shouldn't bring COVID positive members in here, spreading COVID everywhere. Stop being a hypocrite. Yeah, this is how it is here now. This is how it is. Stop being a hypocrite. This is who, this is arguing with my Democrat, Democrat colleagues, supposed colleagues. That's how it is. That's how it is now in America. So you're witnessing exactly what we're having to live through. So that's what happened. That seems to be the catalyst for this. Um, I mean, Green is, she's kind of a kook. I'm not going to lie. She kind of is. But this is what the House of Representatives was supposed to be. It was supposed to be fights and arguments. And it was supposed to be the, the it's the people's house. So they were supposed to bring the people up. They're not supposed to be elite lawmakers or anything like that. And I mean, Cory Bush is not an elite lawmaker by any stretch of the imagination. Neither is Marjorie Taylor Greene, but... 
the pettiness is just ugh. Ugh. But expect to see a lot more of that as we go. All right. And of course, David Hawk has to get in there because he's. All right, let's keep going. From Politico. Secretive ethics panel will judge Holly and Cruz. From Burgess Everett. Former President Donald Trump's impeachment trial will be conducted on the Senate floor live on TV. The Senate investigation into Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley will take place behind closed doors by one of the most secretive committees in Congress. After multiple leading Democrats called for the two Republicans to resign, Cruz and Hawley's challenge to President Joe Biden's Electoral College win is now tied up in the opaque Senate Ethics Committee, and while Trump's impeachment trial will conclude quickly, yeah, okay, the probe into whether the two senators played a role in inciting the violent capital attack will unwind over an interminable timetable with little hint of where it was going. The committee says nothing about its business until actions are taken, and it has a lot of business before it. Seven Democratic senators filed a complaint against two GOP senators who led the effort to object to the election results, arguing that they went, lent leniency, or I'm sorry, legitimacy, to the cause of those who invaded the Capitol. Hawley fired back with a counter-complaint alleging improper conduct for partisan gain. Yeah, probably. The panel is led by Chair Chris Coons, who called for Cruz and Hawley to resign, Vice Chair James Lankford, who planned to challenge the election results himself before backing away after the invasion of the Capitol. Coons and Lankford speak frequently to each other and have a warm relationship, just as Coons did with former Chairman Johnny Isaacson. The two senators will keep a tight lid on the highest-profile ethics investigation in years. Neither of us are going to talk about it, Link first said in an interview. We don't bring up anything on the ethics stuff at all. We don't confirm anything. We're pretty lockstep about that. Even Hawley, both the subject of one complaint and the author of another, said that he had no idea how things would unfold on the committee regarding a timetable or process. On Thursday, he said he hoped members of the panel took the issue and his complaint seriously and will work in a bipartisan manner. A spokesperson for Cruz said that it sets a dangerous precedent when ethics complaints are used as a political tool to try and intimidate and punish. Yes. And, I mean, show me the transcript where Ted Cruz came up and said, Hey, y'all, come on out here and let's storm into the Capitol here. Show me the transcript. This is nothing but partisan politics. This is nothing but, we have the chamber, and now we're going to use it to try and make a one-party chamber again. If you don't get in line, then fuck you. If you don't get in line, then you will be punished, and you will be forced off your committees and forced out of the chamber. If you don't get in line. And even if you do get in line. And yeah, I mean, they're going to come back up and bring this into it. Senator Al Franken who was on video doing what he did. We don't need a transcript. We watched it fucking happen. And now they're still going to come out and say that, well, we wanted to challenge the election in spite of the fact that they did that under Trump for Bush, for other Bush. This is not a new thing. This is not a new thing. But now they're trying to make it a brand new thing because everybody's collective political memory starts when Trump came down the escalator. Hell, people even challenged Obama's. 
election results. So they're going to try and make this look like a new thing, but it's not a new thing. All right, I've got another one here from NPR because they still need more money. They need more clicks, and they need you to donate a little bit more money to them so they, they alone can spread the message of communism to the people who will listen to NPR and tell you that if you don't agree with NPR, that just means that you get all your news from horrible, evil places like Fox and the Daily Wire. The people who say that to me would shit if they saw what I was reading from right now and still disagreeing with NPR. But 10 Senate Republicans outlined $600 billion counteroffer will meet with Biden on Monday. This is from Barbara Sprunt. Updated at 5.10 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday, 10 Republican senators on Sunday requested a meeting with President Biden to detail a smaller counterproposal to his $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, an alternative they believe could be approved quickly by Congress with bipartisan support. Later on Sunday, Biden invited the senators to the White House. The meeting is scheduled to take place at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday, and the White House said it would focus on how Biden's plan will deliver urgently needed relief to working families and small businesses and speed up vaccinations and the reopening of schools. We appreciate the president's quick response to our letter, and we are pleased to accept his invitation to the White House to discuss the path forward for the sixth bipartisan COVID-19 relief package, the 10 senators said in a statement. The outreach from more moderate GOP lawmakers, led by Senator Susan Collins of Maine, came as many Democrats looked to a process called budget reconciliation, which would potentially enable Democrats to approve the president's plan without any Republican support. We recognize your calls for unity, and we want to work in good faith with your administration to meet the health, economic, and societal challenges of the COVID crisis, the GOP senators wrote in the original letter dated on Sunday. There's not going to be any unity. They're going to use budget reconciliation everywhere to get their agenda passed and fuck the other, fuck the other half of the country, essentially. Fuck the other people. So, they're going to run to it. It's not going to go anywhere. I mean, they'll, they'll meet with Biden and Biden will just come up and say, Come on, man. Hey, what, who are you guys? Why are you in here? Are, you over there. Are you corn pop? Did you come to finish the job? And then the budget reconciliation out $1.9 trillion and the national debt will go up further. From the Daily Wire, Biden lied, trends on Twitter, as critics demand the $2,000 stimulus checks he promised during the campaign. From Joseph Curl. President Joe Biden has been busy in his first 10 days in office signing 42 executive orders and memoranda covering everything from climate change to transgender rights to COVID-19. Apparently, the president has been too busy to begin making efforts to make good on one of his key campaign promises. Getting $2,000 to Americans hurting from the pandemic. In a campaign trip to Georgia to buck up two Democratic candidates there in early January, Biden made new stimulus checks a central promise telling Georgia voters that they would get $2,000 stimulus payments if Democrats won Senate runoff elections in the state that week. During a speech in Atlanta, Biden promised that the money would go out the door immediately 
to help people who are in real trouble. So far, nothing. Americans, not the most patient of people, are not happy over the weekend. Some took to Twitter and complained, using the hashtag BidenLied. It didn't take long for that to start trending. The complaints came after the Democratic Party posted a tweet outlining Biden's plan to distribute $1,400 stimulus checks to American families that would come on top of the $600 checks that were approved earlier this month. That would equal $2,000. At POTUS will build on the $600 down payment provided by Congress last year, spending an additional $1,400 to households across America, totaling direct payments to $2,000 per person. But that wasn't Biden's promise. He said $2,000. $600 is simply not... $600 is simply not enough, man. When, when, you, when you have to choose between paying rent or put, putting food on the table, okay? We need $2,000 stimulus checks. Ryan Knight read the, uh, led the criticism, writing $2,000, not $1,400. So Joe Biden is either a liar or really bad at math. I'm going with liar. Ryan Knight, also, and he's proud socialist too, with a red rose. He lied about the bankruptcy bill. He lied about Social Security. He lied about the Hyde Amendment. He lied about Medicare for All. He lied about a ban on fracking. He lied about his voting record. He lied about nine super PACs. He did lie. Uh, the food, I should have put that tweet up here, but uh, Politibunny over on Twitter put out another one where she was talking about other things that Biden lied about, and two of them were true. Um, she said that he lied. He said that only authoritarians uh, governed by executive action. That's actually true. And I will cite the 1994 crime bill as evidence to that. That's actually true. And he is an authoritarian. He always has been. So we will see what happens off of that here. But uh, I think Biden got the unity he wanted. It's just a matter of the fact that uh, the unity comes in the fact that everyone in America hates him for one reason or another. All right, I've got one here from Ron's favorite outlet, Bloomberg. Biden withdraws $27.4 billion in spending cuts proposed by Trump from Jennifer Epstein. President Joe Biden on Sunday withdrew all the spending cuts proposed by former President Trump during his final days in office. Biden sent a letter to Congress saying he was reversing all 73 spending cuts that Trump had requested which I don't know why he had to wait until the last fucking days in office to do that. Why? Why would you wait till the end? That's been some... Okay. I'll... I'll qualify this as fair because the MAGA people weren't holding his feet to the fire. They weren't. They didn't give a fuck what they did as long as they had their Messiah sitting up in office. But people like me, people like Elaine, people like Liberty Twitter... We're all holding his feet to the fire saying, why are you spending this? Why, why are we still going further and further into debt? We do need to take some time and get the spending cut. Yeah, you got the tax cuts and they were really cool. But now the deficit is growing because you keep spending money hand over fucking ham-fisted fist. And we need to stop doing that. We need to stop spending the money. And I don't know, once again, why he waited until the very last day. But that was part of the reason that I did vote for him the second time was because I was hoping that he would have the, the fuck you clout to come up and look at the establishment and say, no, okay, we're not going to spend on that anymore. We, we have no reason to spend that kind of money on that. Why are we spending money on this? 
and reject the rest of the omnibuses. But, I mean, he just kept signing omnibus after omnibus after omnibus. And then at the last second, at the 11th hour, at the 11.59 minute, Cameron said, okay, here are the spending cuts we need to do. And now Biden's going to roll all of them back here. Under the 1974 Budget and Empowerment Control Act, the president can request that Congress rescind budget authority that it had previously approved. The cuts, known as rescissions, totaled about $27.4 billion, according to a January 14th letter to Congress from the Trump White House. The proposed cuts had come after Trump grew frustrated with some of the spending, including in a December spending bill. I will sign the omnibus and COVID package with a strong message that makes clear to Congress that wasteful items need to be removed, Trump said in a statement as he signed the bill into law late December. I will send back to Congress a red line version, item by item, accompanied by a formal rescission request to Congress, insisting that those funds be removed from the bill. Okay, and once again, that's that's really cool, Don. That's really, really cool. Where were you in 2017 with this? Where were you in 2018 with this? Where were you as the fiscal hawk then? You promised first term elimination of the national debt. And yet we went $28 trillion, $6 trillion more into debt under the Trump presidency. No. You don't get a fucking pass on this one. You do not get a pass on this one. And of course, Biden's going to come back out and, I want to spend more money because that's what I do or something. That's what the people up, up, up in the back of the room here are telling me to do. So let's go spend some more money. And that's where we sit. All right, from the hill. Group in Colorado County seeks secession from state to join Wyoming. From Morgan Stelter. A group of disenfranchised Colorado residents are exploring the possibility of annexing from their home state and changing boundary lines so their entire county becomes part of Wyoming. Christopher Todd Richards is leading the efforts with his Weld County, Wyoming political committee, created last February according to local outlet Fox 31 KDBR. The organization is working to get a measure added to the November 2021 ballot that would encourage county commissioners to engage and explore the annexation of Weld County with the state of Wyoming's legislature. The purpose of the measure is to get out from under the thumb of Colorado's more liberal government, according to the group's Facebook page. Denver and Boulder have declared war not only on Weld County, but common sense itself with regulations designed to kill energy jobs, according to one November post, putting radical animal rights activists in position of powers over the ranching industry. Two of Weld's key economic drivers. They're also at war with small businesses. People who hold traditional values are vilified as racist, homophobic, misogynistic bigots. An online petition, which currently has more than 8,400 signatures, also cites concerns about Second Amendment rights. Denver, Boulder have drove weapons manufacturers out of the state. The petition states rural schools, hospitals, and all rural communities are getting ignored. Denver, Boulder only care about Denver, Boulder. Richards acknowledged that the process would be long and daunting. Can this be done? Yes, it can be done. Is it going to be easy? No, Richards said during a meeting posted to YouTube in November.
So, looks like one is looking to go out and secede and go join out in Wyoming. Well, that's going to... The worst part of this, the whole thing, is it's going to make an old George Carlin sketch completely irrelevant. Because the relevance of George Carlin's sketch was the fact that Colorado was a square-shaped state and it would be easy to fence, saving money for the taxpayers, so he could turn it into a permanent prison farm for drug addicts and alcoholics. But, I mean, if you're getting pushed around by your government, then leave. I'm a little surprised some of the, some of the North counties in Illinois haven't tried to do the same. Or even some of the ones surrounding, going over around by Missouri, down by Tennessee, Indiana, places like that. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that from places down there. But we'll see what happens off of it. All right, let's keep going. George Conway tweets out, certainly sounds like it. Even Bannon is flummoxed with Rudy. Um, Bradley Moss tweets out, I'm sorry, Rudy is saying that Lincoln Project coordinated groups to turn 1-6 violent. Well, I've long suspected that there was an inside element to this job here. Let's listen to what Rudy had to say. The defense is going to have to show that this thing was planned and that a lot of the people involved in the planning, Antifa, and then even some right-wing groups were enemies of his, and that they were doing it in order to... Oh, did I lose internet? ...hurt him, oh, uh, including some right-wing groups that operate for the, for, for the Lincoln Project, or have been, have been working with the Lincoln Project at various times. You have a couple of wolves and sheep. Hold, hold sheep it, hang on, hang on. What, hold, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what do you say working for the Lincoln Project, right-wing groups like who? One of the people who organized this is well known for having worked with the Lincoln Project in the past, and also, also, okay, there but are, who, there are who is it? But who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is Yo, yo, yo. Okay. Yo, yo. So, there, go ahead. There, one of the people involved brought in right wing groups that opposed Trump, and he brought them in specifically because. He wanted to blow this thing up. He had the same motivation. He had the same motivation the Antifa people had. So it isn't as if all these right-wing groups were all pro-Trump. And the biggest problems, violent problems, were caused by Antifa. That's where the shooting took place. That's it. That, that, that was surrounded by all Antifa people. So how, how can he be held responsible for a whole thing that's planned days before he's going to speak? That has a mixture of people that hate him and people that support him. He's, he's not so who's the guy? Who, but who's the guy? Who's that? but who's the guy working with the Lincoln Project? He's a he's a. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I can uh, reveal his name because we have that. We have that from anonymous sources. You're, but you're he was he, he he God, and he worked me. in the past. He worked in the past for Romney. Okay, hang on for a second. Okay, but uh, I mean, hey, this is why we're getting blown up all the time. You can't throw a charge out there like that and then say, yeah, I got a double secret probation guy who I can't mention, but he worked for Romney, worked for the Lincoln Project. Anyway, we'll drill down this more. I, I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you what, Rudy, if you. If... All right, so that is what's going on with that. I'm, Rudy's a little bit of a nut. 
I don't... He was America's mayor. He did get New York through 9-11. I will never deny him of that. But uh, I think... I mean, if we can come out and say that Biden's in cognitive decline, I think that we can come out and safely say Rudy might be there, too. I... Uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? But speaking of the Lincoln Project... From the New York Post, Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver exits after reportedly sexting young men. From Kathy Ann Boniello. Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver has stepped down from the anti-Trump super PAC after acknowledging reports that he sent inappropriate sexually charged messages to dozens of young men. Some two dozen men have claimed Weaver dangled job opportunities while propositioning them for sex, including one who claimed he had consensual intercourse with the longtime GOP operative in a hotel, but never got a gig out of it, the American conservative reported. Others said that uh, Weaver slid into their direct messages on Twitter, referred to them as my boy, complimented them on their hair, or asked about their genitals. The married Weaver took a medical leave from the Lincoln Project over the summer, but said in a Friday statement to Axios he would not be returning. Weaver could not be immediately reached by the Post. For far too long, I've tried to live a life that wasn't completely true, he wrote in a statement. I was lying to myself, to my family, who gave me nothing but unconditional love, and to others, causing a great deal of pain to all. The truth is, I am gay. That's the part that's going to get clipped. And I have a wife and two kids whom I love. My inability to reconcile those two truths has led to this agonizing place, he wrote. Weaver claimed he claimed uh, he viewed the exchanges as consensual, mutual conversations. Well, now the liberty side of me says, dude, live your life. You know, you do, you do what makes you happy. I don't care who you fuck or how you pee. And that's been something that I have stayed very strong to. Who you sleep with or how you pee is none of my business. As long as you're leaving me and my family alone, I'll leave you and your family alone. And you do whatever makes you the happiest. But I can't walk away from this without revealing the irony that the Lincoln Project viewed the Trump presidency as a step away from the Jesus, Jesus, conservative principles. That's what they found, because this is supposed to be Lincoln's party. It's not supposed to be Trump's party. And somewhere along the way, when we're in the H.W. Bush, which uh, Weaver had worked for, the area of them, and the W. era, that that's what the GOP had become. The, the Jesus, Jesus, Christian conservative wing of the party was the only legitimate wing of the party at that point. So I can't help but note the irony that comes off of this that says, okay, well, you've you've gone so far to push the conservative party back into Tradcon values, and then you're out here waving your junk at young boys for job opportunities because you're in a position of power. And hashtag me too. So... Yeah, I don't, on paper I don't care, but it's just, it's delicious how much they're trying to push the Republican Party back into the Jesus, Jesus Party. And then this happens. 
And yeah, in any other circumstance, this dude would be fucking me too into oblivion as well. Oh, that does change things, uh, Chilaga. I can't confirm that, so I'm not going to read it out loud. But that, that would change things. All right, we got to keep going. From the Blaze, which just got a revamp as well, Blaze Media. Arizona's largest county unanimously votes to conduct full forensic audit of election equipment. From Chris Enlow. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors unanimously last week voted to conduct a full forensic audit of election equipment in Arizona's largest county. The decision to audit the election equipment came one week after Joe Biden inaugurated as president, following now former President Donald Trump's challenge of the election results in multiple key battleground states, including Arizona. Board Chairman Jack Sellers explained in a statement that the audit is necessary to provide Maricopa County voters with additional assurance of election integrity. Maricopa County elections were uh, administered rather with integrity throughout 2020. That's a fact. Multiple audits to date have proved as much, and multiple court rulings have concurred, Sellers said. It's also true that a significant number of voters want the additional assurance that a full forensic audit of tabulation equipment might bring especially Given the misinformation that spread following the November 3rd election, the audit shows our commitment to providing that assurance, sellers added. You know what? Do your audit. Because, yes, everyone should feel safe and sure that their election and their vote is counted. I just want to see the results. I really do. Although, I've got a feeling that at some point here, if the results don't go a certain way, they're never going to get released. So we'll see what happens off of this one here. We'll be following this one closely for sure. From CBS. Anti-vax protests temporarily shut down Dodger Stadium mega vaccination site. From Carolyn Linton. Hundreds of cars were backed up at Los Angeles Dodger Stadium on Saturday after the coronavirus vaccination supersite temporarily shut down due to a few dozen anti-vax protesters, the mayor's office confirmed on Sunday. The site will shut down for about 55 minutes, but no appointments were canceled, said Andrea Garcia from Major, uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti's office. City of LA's vaccinations at Dodger Stadium were interrupted for 55 minutes by protesters on Saturday, Garcia said in an email. The LAPD responded and the site resumed operations. No appointments were affected. We remain committed to vaccinating Angelenos as quickly as and safely as possible. LA Police Chief Michael Moore tweeted on Saturday afternoon that they were working with our public safety partners to ensure everyone with an appointment gets their vaccine today. The live stream video of the protest showed them carrying signs that read phrases such as Turn Back Now, My Rights Don't End Where Your Fear Begins, and COVID Equals Scam. California Governor Gavin Newsom tweeted Saturday night, we will not be deterred or threatened. One man who was waiting in line for an hour told the LA Times that protesters told him the coronavirus is not real and vaccinations are dangerous. This is completely wrong. German Jacques told the LA Times, this is the wrong message. I've been waiting weeks for, to get an appointment. I'm a dentist. I'm taking a big risk being around patients. I want to be safe for my patients and for my families. The vaccine is the only way to beat the virus. Meanwhile, allocations of COVID-19 vaccinations continue to trail the demand, with L.A. County expecting to relieve 188,000 
doses this week. CBS LA reports many of those, however, will be needed to administer second shots to people who have already received the first dose of the two-dose regimen. As of the end of last week, the county had received a total of 853,650 doses. It received an estimated 143,900 doses this week, pushing the total to nearly 1 million. While the positivity rate has been trending downward in hard-hit L.A. County, there were over 6,000 new cases reported on Friday. The last data was available from the county health department. There has been over 1.1 million cases of COVID-19 reported in the region, and scientists estimated earlier this month that one in three Los Angeles residents have been infected by the coronavirus since the pandemic began. This is wrong. And I'm going to tell you why this is wrong. Now, I do not intend to take the vaccine. I know most of my audience does not intend to take the vaccine. There are a lot of people who don't intend to take the vaccine. And you have, I mean, you're a free person. You have the right to say no. You are a free man. You have the right to turn, turn away a vaccination. And accept all the responsibility that comes with turning away the vaccination. But you have no right to tell somebody that they're not allowed to take something either. If they want to put that vaccination in their body, you have no right to tell them that they are not allowed to do it or block them from doing so. You have no right. They have the same right to do whatever they believe it's going to take to keep them safe as you do. So no, don't block them from going out and getting their appointment. Do not do that. That is wrong. And if you don't want to get the vaccine, well, yes, you can freely speak out about what the vaccine is, but don't block them. Don't block people from the free exchange of money for service that they're allowed to go into. I mean, it's just like the stock market. Robinhood was coming out saying that they were protecting their users from foolish and stupid bets. No, being in the stock market is the right. Having the stock market is the privilege and the right to be as stupid with your money as you want to be. So if they want to throw $500, $600, $700 a share at a stock for an almost defunct video game company, that's their right to do so. They have the right to do that. And it's the same thing with the vaccine. I think it's wrong. But they have the right to do it still. So we'll see what happens off of that. Let's see, from CNN. Let it think for a minute. Looks like it's got to reload. One of these times I'm going to get the uh, Jeopardy sounder here. Uh, Myanmar's Aung San Suu Kyi has been detained by the military, says ruling party spokesman. From Coca Olarn, Hella Regan, and Ben Westcott. Myanmar leader Aung San Suu Kyi and other top government figures have been detained by the military, a spokesman for the governing National League for Democracy told CNN on Monday. State Councilor Da Aung San Suu Kyi and some other senior figures are being detained in the capital city of Napia Dao, spokesman Mayo Nyunt said. The spokesman said that several ministers from large states in Myanmar have been detained by the military in addition to Suu Kyi. The mil- Dude, is the dude's name really Suki? And does he show up for $5? 
So long, YouTube. The military seems to take uh, control of the capital now, spokesman Mio Nyut said. If the move comes, or I'm sorry, the move comes after days of escalating tension between the civilian government and the powerful military in the aftermath of an election the army says was fraudulent, Reuters reported. The NLD claimed victory after an election in November of 2020, the country's second democratic ballot since the end of military rule in 2015. In a January 29th statement, the 16 international missions in Myanmar urged the country's military to adhere to democratic norms. We oppose any attempt to alter the outcome of the elections or impede Myanmar's democratic transition, said the statement, which was signed by missions from the U.S., the U.K., and the European Union. We support all those who work towards greater democratic freedoms, lasting peace, and inclusive prosperity for the people of Myanmar. Human rights non-government organization Burma Rights UK said in a post to their Twitter that the news of Suu Kyi's detention was devastating. This needs to be met with the strongest international response. The military needs to be made to understand that they have major miscalculation in thinking that they can get away with this, the group said. Suu Kyi was the hero of democracy in their home country of Myanmar for being both a former political prisoner who spent two decades under house arrest and the daughter of assassinated independence icon Suu Kyi. Since her party won in a landslide victory in 2015, she's been Myanmar's de facto... Oh, it's a chick. She's been Myanmar's de facto leader and held the position of state councillor, a title invented as a loophole to the constitution barring her from being uh, president. But her international reputation has been tarnished in recent years by allegations of genocide against the Myanmar Muslim Rohingya population. So, that's fun. And it just, it makes you wonder. Because Joe Biden, I mean, I'm not slandering the dude. The military records and the voting records are out there. Joe Biden has never met a military action that he didn't like. He's in the pocket of Beijing. I do have to wonder what Burma and Myanmar, what their relevance is to Beijing at this point, because that is going to drive a lot of most likely where he's going to go from this. But I do have to wonder if we're going to go to war in the Middle East first, in the Korean Peninsula first, in Pakistan first, or in Burma. Because I've got, I've got a feeling that one of these is coming here. So we'll see what happens off of this. But uh, yeah, definitely something to look forward to. All right. Uh, this one kind of slipped in here. Uh, Jack Schneider tweets out, While everyone is distracted by the pandemic, legislation to unmake public education is being rolled out across the U.S. And this is a thread, by the way. Florida, Senate Bill 48 to expand vouchers for private school. Like Arizona, Florida's been a leader in channeling taxpayer funds to private schools. Many of these schools discriminate against students, though there are other reasons to dislike, such as a plan. Uh, Georgia, House Bill 60 would allow students to take their local public school dollars with them to a private school. Indiana, House Bill 1005 will expand the state's existing voucher program to higher in uh, income earners. Iowa. 
As my co-author and podcasting partner, B is for Berkshire, has been pointing out, SSB 1065 is being fast-tracked. Over $5,000 per student would be awarded for state scholarships, a.k.a. vouchers. Public education would never look the same there. Kansas, House Bill 2068 and Senate Bill 61 will expand vouchers. And, of course, there's more. Uh, House Bill 149 would do the same thing as we're seeing in a lot of other places. Divert public dollars to private schools. I guess he must have deleted that one. New Hampshire, House Bill 20 is the scariest of all. Education freedom accounts would create universal voucher for all families in the state to withdraw funds from public schools and divert them to basically anything education-related. And I don't, let me see if my tweet is down here. I don't think it is. But, uh, I mean, at one of these, I think it was on the top one here, I actually tweeted back at this guy i mean where do we send the thank you card education is at the same time that chicago teachers are coming out and refusing and we'll talk about that in just a second to go back and instruct their charges again this guy is complaining about the fact that somebody's trying to dismantle the public education system let me see if mine is there no, it's not there. Not a moment too soon, though. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. This is awesome. Great. Public schools are indoctrination centers that don't teach children anything worth knowing. And excellent news. Not a moment too soon from three of my friends, Sarah Jane, Britt, and Jessica Green. And yeah, where do I send the thank you card? Because this is all well and good, but I've got to give thanks to the proper people. And thank you for giving me a good... A good list of people. Now, of course, Wisconsin's not going to do anything like that because Tony Ebers is a puppet of the teachers' union. All right. Let's keep going. Speaking of schools, Lightfoot says uh, CPS will take action if CTU teachers don't report to classrooms on Monday. People getting fired. No author given. With no agreement in place between Chicago Public Schools and the Teachers Union, CPS announced that if teachers do not report to the classrooms on Monday, they will be considered absent without leave and will not be authorized to conduct remote learning until they report back to their classrooms. The action could potentially set up teachers' strike in the coming days and represents the latest salvo fired in the ongoing negotiations between the two sides. All teachers pre-K through 8 and cluster teachers must report, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot said in a press conference. If you don't have an approved accommodation, we expect to see you back in class. Those who do not report to work, we will have to take action. Let's avoid that. Somebody's getting fired. Somebody's getting fucking canned. Parents are being told not to send their children to school on Monday for in-person learning. Under the original parameters of CPS's return to class plan, students in K-8 were supposed to report to class for the first time today, but after a vote by the CTU earlier this month, that will not occur. Teachers were originally supposed to report to the classrooms last week, but after the CTU vote, they were instructed by their union to continue conducting remote learning instead. After a week of negotiations, the two sides have not come to an agreement, setting the stage for a possible work stoppage. Well, grab some popcorn, because this is going to be a fun one. All right. Uh, this one... Just a little bit of entertaining news from uh, here in my state here, from Wisconsin News Today. Breaking news. Newly installed American Family Field sign engulfed in flames. 
This is the new sign out front of Miller Park because they just changed the name of Miller Park. The newly installed American Family Field sign is engulfed in flames. WNT was the first on the scene to report the fire. Sources at the stadium reported seeing sparks prior to the flames. Stadium officials are not ruling out foul play at this time, but an electrical, uh, electrical malfunction is most likely the root cause. State Farm, the stadium's current insurance carrier, could not be reached for comment. This is an active situation and will report details as emerge. And that's the best part of this. Uh, American Family is an insurance company, obviously. And State Farm is obviously an insurance company. What are you wearing, Jake, from State Farm? Khakis. So, the American Family Field sign burnt up, and they have to call State Farm for their insurance. That one's a little bit fun. I like that. All right. And before we head on out of here, we're going to do one last one here. This is just something that uh, restores my faith in humanity. This is an old article, too. This is a couple months old, but it showed up in the Discord. I read it. I liked it. And it restores some of my faith in humanity, which after this week has been uh, severely lacking. So, from the New York Post. Armed ex-soldier allegedly storms animal shelter to get cat back. From Natalie O'Neill. Not exactly the perfect crime. An ex-Australian soldier, in full tactical gear, allegedly burst into an animal shelter with an assault rifle and tied up a worker in a failed bid to get his kitty back, according to a report on Wednesday. Tony Whitman was allegedly so mad when workers at the Lost Dogs home in Melbourne told him he needed to wait a day to pick up the pet. He's accused of threatening 23-year-old female worker with the gun at the facility's parking lot, according to ABC Australia. Do as I say and listen to me. I won't shoot you, he allegedly told her. A court heard this week. Don't try anything or I'll shoot you. Whitman led the worker union or into the building with a firearm that looked like something a SWAT team in the movies would use, the unidentified worker said, according to the outlet. He allegedly ordered the frightened galley to direct him toward the cats. He then demanded that she get on her knees and tied her up with zip ties. The accused said, I'm going to close the door. If I see you, I'll shoot you. Detective Senior Constable Joe McDonald said in Melbourne Magistrate's Court on Tuesday. On this occasion, he has acted to get possession of a cat, which was only going to be without for possibly 10 hours. But Whitman, who served the Australian Army before he was discharged for failing to render efficient service, ultimately left empty-handed, which is the only downside to this, but it restores my faith in humanity that a man would go all fucking John Wick to go out and get his beloved pet back. Doesn't that warm your heart just a little bit? Now I'm sure that at some point here he thought that this was a kill shelter and by the morning his cat was going to be uh, euthanized at some point, but uh, just the fact that he would go in, tactical gear, gun in hand, to get his cat back. And I'm not a cat person. I'm really not. I don't care to have cats as pets. But I don't, once again, I don't blame anybody else who does. If they want to have a cat as a pet, then that's on them. That's between them and the cat. And yes, you do need to take some time to enjoy the small things. Maybe not go quite as far as this guy did, but you do need to take some time to enjoy the smaller things in life. 
And that's going to be it for the day here. So we'll be back here later on today with the Red Net Show. That's going to be a great time. We're going to spend most of the show talking about this whole thing that went on with the uh, with the GameStop stock. It's going to be a it's going to be a great time. I'm I can't wait to hear what Elaine's got to say about this. This is going to be good. She's already got an over under bet as to how long we're going to spend on the show talking about the thing. But I do have some other stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about this impeachment thing. Uh, the Myanmar thing we're going to talk a bit about more, plus what uh, happened in Pakistan this past uh, week. So there's going to be a little bit of other stuff to go there. But uh, let's go back, meet back here at 5.30 Central Time today and see if we can't break down everything that happened this week with the GameStop saga and possibly what could be the next thing that's coming up out of the news. So we will see you then. Otherwise, we'll be back here in the morning for more contemporary. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar. And this is Contemporary.